The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Would you like to know how to make better decisions for your business, your people, or yourself? Do you want to recognize when you make errors of judgment that cause the quality of your decisions to drop, and when you are moving away from, not closer to, your goal? Welcome to Because There's More with Laura Ellis. For the next hour, Laura and her guests will share experiences and insights that will challenge and stretch your thinking, help you recognize your biases, and ultimately guide you towards more predictable and accurate decisions. You'll walk away from this show feeling better informed, more inspired, and a lot more confident about your next big decision. Now, here's your host, Laura Ellis. Hi, I'm Laura Ellis, and this is Because There's More, the show that takes a closer look at decision-making. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, welcome, and thank you for joining our ninth show. As in previous episodes, uh, you can expect to hear another high-caliber professional sharing perspective, experiences, and insights so you, our listeners, uh, and our clients, of course, can walk away better equipped to make better business decisions. few words about the show. Because There's More is the public information channel for Trusted Advisory Board, TAB for short. The organization I founded in 2013 as a virtual advisory board focused on helping businesses grow through more sophisticated decision-making. It's quite a novel approach to management consulting. On our website, www.trustedadvisoryboard.com, we say that TAB's unique and innovative approach is intelligent. And it works, and it's absolutely true. But what allows for that to happen is the high quality of expertise and experience our advisors bring to the table so you and our clients can tap into this amazing resource of of knowledge, expertise, experience, and uh, access it on demand to make better business decisions. Today, you will hear from another TAB Advisors. Uh, advisor. Today's guest moved to Canada when she was a young girl, and since that time, she has invested her sharp mind and care for people into strengthening and building the businesses she's still so loyal to 30 years uh, later. But before I say more about today's guest, let me just take one minute and thank all my other advisors who joined our show since our uh, very beginning. Um, so thank you, Rochelle Oakley, who's the president and CEO of Jabaka Distributioning today, but used to have a senior position with uh, BlackBerry. Thank you, Anne Comer, principal at Comer Exchange today, who used to work, uh, a, was an executive in the HR department of Manulife Financial. Uh, thank you, Mathav Munusami, who's a seasoned professional with DMA, expertise in lean methodologies application, who today still works for a large uh, organization, uh, North American organization. Thank you, Anna-Marie Ilie, a leader and independent consultant to the Romanian government and former Miss Belgium. And thank you, Randy Levitt, 
nuclear physicist turned VP of finance for Ontario Power Generation, turned independent consultant for medium-sized organizations in um, the nuclear industry. So I want to confess that I couldn't be prouder and more confident about TAP's future success with having such a strong team backing up my efforts to disrupt management consulting, but more importantly, to provide a more effective um, alternative to building better businesses. Make sure to go back to those episodes, as I trust you will be better informed listening to them, and you will be inspired to make better business decisions. I know that um, that has happened for me. So today, it's a privilege to introduce Barb McBurney. Welcome to the show, Barb. Good morning, Laura. Thank you for having me. I'm somewhat humbled after reading that list of elite leaders that have gone before me. <laughs> well, uh, you're just one of them. And you know what? I'll just say that you're just as modest as every single one of those uh, names uh, on the list. But luckily, you have me to sing your praises. So, um <laughs> You and I met over three years ago when someone in the HR department from your organization reached out to my employer and asked if I, Laura, can build a different assessment process for this vice president called Barb uh, because she's extremely self-aware, very seasoned, highly knowledgeable, um, unequally and unparalleled in her ability to run the manufacturing plant, uh, which of course made me ask, why do you want to still take her through the same process? And they said, because we want her, she's so amazing, but we want her to have access to the same opportunities that others were offered, but without her feeling that the process is, you know, is um, uh, testing her or it's a chore or it's a waste of time. So I was asked to be tactful and you know me now and uh, anyone who's ever worked with me would know that tactful is not a word that comes to mind when they think of me, but (laughs) I reluctantly agreed to create a different process and I came to meet you on your own Turf, which is not something I do often, both from a process and, uh, you know, taking the, the journey because uh, we all like to be in control. And uh, by doing that, I was giving away some of my power, part of my expertise and not being on, on known uh, territory. But what happened you and I ended up talking for hours. In fact, I think I forgot uh, what time it was or what I was there to do. I was just mesmerized. And uh, I remember that every now and again, I'd stop uh, the questions that I had written on my uh, list to ask, Barb, where's all this wisdom coming from? I mean, did you take your postgraduate degree in an Ivy League university? Did you work with some of the top leaders? How did you come to know all this? Um, I think I realized later that you yourself were not, um, did not know how, how good you are and, and, um, everything that you were doing were doing because to you, it was, um, common sense. And I think one of the, uh, now in hindsight and having known you for a while now, uh, I, I think I realized that what made you be so good, uh, while at the same time not knowing that you're so good because you always focus 
on what the business needed from you rather than focusing um, on, on yourself. Um, and, and even when you didn't know what you had to do, you went away, found out what was needed. And it didn't matter that you were 23 or 35 or 40. Um, you just ask and you, you, you manage your way um, through everything. Again, I, I could probably take another three, four hours just to share with people some of the answers that you gave me uh, that day. So I know and you know that once I started to articulate what tab should be, I came straight to you and said, uh, Barb, please, I want you to do this with me. <laughs> Did I scare you then, Barb? <laughs> um, to be honest, Laura, I recall looking at you that morning when you asked me that question uh, in complete disbelief, thinking this woman is delusional. Um, you know, at that time, you interacted with global leaders, you still do, and extremely smart people on a day-to-day basis. And I couldn't really figure out why you wanted to have breakfast with me um, and continued throughout the morning to push a book in my face and talking at about 100 miles an hour. So it was, it was, it was one of the strangest breakfasts that I've ever experienced, to be honest. Um, however, uh, you didn't scare me. When I finally got a word in, um, I was able to ask you, you know, was this a pipe dream or, you know, what are you trying to do here? Because it it seemed a little far-fetched at the time. Yeah. However, the passion that that you showed me that morning actually fascinated me and certainly got my attention. Um, I I guess you talk about being humble and, uh, and I guess those questions about Ivy League and everything else. Uh, reality is I left school at 15 years old in Scotland and um, no, I had no access to any of that. So I think that's the other reason uh, for me wondering why is this woman talking to me about this opportunity? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's amazing, and, and I'm so glad that, uh, uh, as always, you came through and you were able to be uh, a guest uh, on the show. You're very busy. There's a lot happening in your own organization, the same way uh, it happens in, a, in every organization today. And I have no doubt that just throughout this uh, this uh, interview, people will understand exactly why I, I came to you. I am, uh, uh, you know, continuing to be uh, amazed by your, um, I call it, uh, intuition is what, uh, you know, in, in decision making, uh, they call expert intuition because you have, uh, gone and done so much that you have built this amazing repository of knowledge that uh, is there. Um, and, and there's a lesson in, in everything, uh, you do. So in spite of what I asked you then to do this with me, unfortunately for me, but fortunately for your, uh, organization, you still have full-time responsibilities. Uh, but suffice to say that you place your support behind me and tab in any way it was possible, uh, outside of your job. So why did you do that? What made you, what was it that made you say yes to being an advisor? Well, that's a good question, and, and yes, I'm, fortunately for me, not for you, I am very uh, you know, passionate about what I do today and the challenges that I'm still experiencing, so it was really impossible for me at the same time not to be interested in your proposal and your vision, and I knew immediately that I was willing to do what I could to support and assist you um, without impacting my current status. Um, you and I spent many late nights proofreading text on your website. Um, we had some very long debates and discussions in the early days of TAB. 
um, some raised voices, some disagreements. Um, you allowed me to slap you on the wrist a couple of times when you got out of line, which was great for me. <laughs> but, but I guess when all was said and done and, and this, uh, you know, your website started to evolve and I was pretty much as excited as you were about the possibilities going forward. The one thing I felt right away that I could commit to was becoming an advisor. Uh, not only was that one way to support you by bringing my real-life experiences to your leadership stable, as I would call it, um, but I'm not one for doing something I don't believe in, and I truly believe that there is a need for this type of innovative approach to decision-making. Um, actually very excited to be a part of TAB and to be amongst, as I said already, some very elite leaders. Um, already we've had some discussions, uh, and, and I have provided some advice and insight, and I feel it rewarding to be in a position to offer advice based on my own uh, experiences, uh, if you can mentor someone else that is willing to make better decisions and do something better. So um, if I had something like TAB available as I climbed the hills and the mountains throughout my career, I think those definitely would have been key enablers for success. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Thank you. And and coming from you, it it means a lot. And you already know that I have used your expertise in my own business. Um, yeah. Some of the earlier days when I said, "Oh, Barb, it will take me three months uh, to do that," and you looked at me and you said, "You're dreaming, young girl." And um, you know, young girl, I'm not that young, but uh, younger of than course, me. <laughs> you are you are right, and and I'm still learning. It's still a learning process for me. So, how would you describe Tab? And and you did mention more than once that you believe there is a place for this and how do you describe it in in your words i've asked every advisor this because it's interesting we all have different ways of looking of what tab is so tell me yours um i i think the the unique thing about tab is that it's different from the traditional coaching and consulting companies uh and methodologies um i would say that most traditional models are built around coaching and theory and often provide new sort of toolkits or methods for people to take away back to the office type thing. However, I've always found uh, personally for me that once the sessions are completed, um, the leader or the participant is left to their own device as to how or if they use those new learned skills uh, at the right time. Uh, there's no doubt I've, you know, participated in, in many uh, coaching sessions and, uh, you know, with consulting and internal sessions also. Um, and often you walk away and you learn some new things and you use those tools and they're effective. But to be brutally honest, um, I would say the large majority of what you learn and walk away with is not used. Um, I think that, you know, for years I've personally experienced that type of service. And uh, I think that, you know, what's worse is the, the new learned skills need to be updated as times and environments and circumstances are consistently changing. And it's a challenge to stay current. So, you know, it, it really becomes outdated pretty quickly, I would suggest. Um, where, what I like about TAB is TAB is offering the skills, advice, ability, experiences of real people in real time um, these are people that, you know, we're still working. We're still solutioning current and real challenges and events day to day. And because we're doing that in leadership roles, we're being forced to keep up with the times and, and uh, be very much aware of what's going on around us and bringing that into our day-to-day -day environment. 
So that coupled with um, extensive experience, which certainly your tab advisors have, uh, I think really is, is bringing something unique to the table. Um, yeah. In today's world of constant change and strengthening competition, I think having the opportunity to access seasoned and proven leaders to provide advice, guidance, and insight, uh, and personal experiences uh, provides leading-edge opportunities for people to make better solutions and stronger decisions to be made. Um, we make decisions for a number of reasons, uh, sometimes because we're told that's a decision we have to make, uh, and other times because we think it's the right thing to do. But I think the reality is that, you know, a lot of decision-making, I, I believe, really has to come from the heart as well. So I think when you believe that it's the right thing to do, other um, requirements kick into gear, and sometimes that means you have to actually be brave uh, to stand up to whomever is asking you to make a decision that may be the wrong one for the business. Because no matter what we do, as long as we work for organizations, our first priority is always to do the right thing for the business. But that doesn't mean we can't do the right thing for the business, the people, the clients, the stakeholders, and everybody else, you know, so we must be focused on that. Yeah, yeah. And and that's an amazing insight. I, I wrote a post yesterday because um, I, I felt the need to write it. And, and I was saying that um, in math, uh, you just add another variable to an equation and it just changes the whole premise. Sometimes we, we get stuck in a certain way of making decisions. So what you said, it, it's exactly uh, the, the thing that I encourage people I work with and, and our clients. But the other thing that you said, I'm very, very proud because it is a distinguishing factor of this management consulting firm that is called Trust Advisory Board, um, is the fact that, um, you know, the people who back me up, back tab up, are actually um, uh, real professionals. And, and some of them, for their own choices, are, um, um, are in consulting roles today. And, you know, let's not forget that I was a consultant myself. So no disrespect to, to the consulting industry. What I absolutely. wanted to bring to, uh, absolutely. And, and, you know, I've met some amazing people and I'm fortunate to have worked with them. Um, what I wanted to bring, uh, and this is what TAB is about, is just an alternative. I wanted to bring uh, the, uh, you know, uh, businesses closer to other people who can um, uh, tell them uh, or talk about experiences that uh, they each other go through every day. And, you know, so every single TAB advisor is someone who, if he is a consultant, she is a consultant today, they come from very, very large businesses and they spend a lot of time in the corporate world. Um, so, we are probably um, about a minute away from the break. So when we come back, uh, uh, we'll talk some more. I, I want people to hear more about your background and how you, you ended up um, in, um, in Canada. Uh, but we're going to go to a commercial break uh, and uh, uh, for a couple of minutes. Uh, but I hope nobody goes away because uh, your life story is uh, extremely 
interesting and I I love hearing it uh, every time I hear it and I want others to understand that there's different ways uh, of sharpening your uh, uh, your your leadership skills you know life is a very uh, great place to to find uh, examples that you can use in your workplace so we'll be back in just a couple of minutes don't go away when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network Are you a CEO, a board director, or an entrepreneur looking to have more control over the future of your organization? If the answer is yes, you need Tab Ignite. Our approach is unique, intelligent, and it works. Our solution is exclusively positioned to guarantee the results you seek for your business because we make it simple for you to tap our advisor's expertise and experience and make accurate business decisions. Ask Tab Ignite to work for you at tabignite at trustedadvisoryboard.com and make your next decision the first of many best decisions for your company. Do you believe in the value you bring to an organization? Have you been overlooked for a promotion because you think differently than your peers? Do you know that you can and will make a difference to the business? Let Tab Advanced be your personal advisory board and help you make different, better decisions about your career. Our team is customized to your successful advancement and hones in on when, why, and how you make those decisions. Build a more fulfilling career. Contact us today at advance at trustedadvisoryboard.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Because There's More with host Laura Ellis. To connect with our program today, please send Laura an email to lellis at trustedadvisoryboard.com. Now, back to Because There's More. Hi, I'm Laura Ellis, and I'm here with Barb McBurney, uh, my guest and tab advisor. And just before the break, uh, we were talking about how I met Barb and what uh, caused her to want to be part of, uh, um, you know, the advisor group and trust advisory board. So, um, Barb, I'd like to go back in time and uh, maybe you can help us understand how, how did you become this rounded leader uh, you um, are today? So tell us about when did you move to Canada? I know you grew up in Scotland. Uh, yeah, I, um, it, it's a funny story, actually. I've wanted to live in Canada since I was seven years old, Laura. Um, to this day, I have no idea where that came from, uh, nor did my parents. I've never been here. I knew no one in Canada. So unless I saw something somewhere on TV or in a book, um, I pretty much decided that I must have been here in a previous life. So um, when you're seven and say you want to come to Canada, it's cute. When you're 13, 14 and you're still talking about it, it it sort of makes people squirm a little bit. And when you finally, you know, at 20 years old, say I'm leaving and I'm going to Canada, you know, you get this deer in the headlight look, oh, my God, she really did it. So I guess indirectly I've always been a little bit of a rebel or an adventurer, (laughs) pioneer, whatever. Um, so I finally came to Canada uh, about two weeks prior to my 21st birthday, 
Um, incidentally, well, that was in 1977, which was the worst snowstorm that uh, Toronto's seen in over 25 years. Um, and despite uh, that cold welcome, Canada has been home to me, and I've never looked back. Uh, I'm the eldest of six uh, in the family, and I'm the only one who ever moved away, so my family is still in Scotland today, uh, but visit Canada often, sometimes too often, actually. Um, <laughs> I love them dearly. Um, you asked how I became a rounded leader that I am today. Um, I truly believe that the environment in which you're raised uh, goes a long way in shaping who we become. Um, being the eldest of six forces you to become a leader of sorts and maybe even a little bossy at an early age, as there's always five younger ones. For me, there was always somebody younger to take care of and teach. Um, so without realizing it, I, I guess I started mentoring at a very, very early age, and it simply continued as my own life experience expanded. Um, my younger siblings, of course, may have a different way to describe those memories, maybe not as elaborate as, as, uh, as I do, but uh, they were on the receiving end of that, uh, that bossiness, I guess. So, uh, But they're still talking to me, so that's a good thing. Um, so the truth is that growing up in Scotland uh, as a child wasn't always easy back then, and I think you would find that most Scots uh, throughout the history books and even today are generally a, a pretty hardy and stubborn bunch, um, very proud, and there's probably a large dose of survivor instinct thrown in for good measure. So I think that, um, you know, when, you, when you're a, a child and you get into a fight over there, you don't get sympathy. You literally come in the back door crying and are grabbed by the scruff of the neck and put out the front door to go fight your own battles. And I think when, you, when you're raised like that, um, you'll learn to stand on your own two feet and become pretty brave. So I would say that having the parents that I had and embracing the value system they instilled in me uh, most certainly went a long way in shaping the person that I am today. That is fascinating. Thanks for sharing that, Barb. And you know what's interesting to me when you say that is that I, uh, of course, I know you, but I, I recognize the courage uh, that uh, you picked up at that early age in, in everything that you do today and how you talk to uh, to your uh, peers and how you talk to your managers. Uh, you know, you, you're direct, you're straightforward, and you always say what you think and how valuable uh, that is. But what's also interesting, you're describing this kind of bossy person I know your heart and uh, it has never the environment has never turned you into a um, hard hearted person uh, on the contrary um, I know that some of the first roles you had presented you with challenges you never experienced before what was your compass in how you made those early decisions in those roles I mean it could have been a professional experience so tell us some of those stories um I worked in the UK prior to coming to Canada, and uh, my background then was in finance. Uh, one of the first roles that I had in Canada, I was promoted to assistant divisional accountant for an automotive manufacturer, um, and I was pretty young at that point. Um, unfortunately, it became clear quite quickly that our numbers weren't where they should be in terms of margin and profitability. And so the decision at a corporate level was made to close the Toronto facility where I worked and consolidate into our Windsor site. Um, so at the ripe old age of around 22, I was launched into a plant closure and had to wind down a very large facility with employees who had literally worked there for up to 40 years. 
Um, part of my role called for sitting down with every single impacted employee and advising them of their severance package and the next steps. Um, you know, I remember at that age thinking, you know, how do I do, how do, I do this? Um, I can't say to these people, I know how you feel. I'm 22 years old. I'm, I'm at, you know, the starting gate of my career. Um, I, I couldn't possibly imagine how they were feeling. But having to sit there in front of these people who were the breadwinners, uh, most of whom never had another job, um, never completed a resume, came right out of school, you know, 40 years or, or 30 years prior. Um, I, I just, I didn't know how to deal with that. But fortunately for me, uh, and maybe it was being the eldest of six, I'm not really sure, it would appear that I had been blessed with a higher EQ at an early age. Uh, and I was able to conduct that task quite effectively and with dignity and respect for every one of those impacted employees. Um, I also, you know, reached out to Service Canada and we had them come in and assist the employees in any way we could, keeping in mind that the majority of these folks had worked there since, as I said, leaving high school and I never had a resume or CV. So, um, you know, where, where did that answer come from? I'm not sure. I think I really dug deep and, and knew I needed help. Uh, in trying to figure out, you know, the best way to do the best that I could for these people. And um, and I do remember at one point thinking, God, if this was my mom or dad, you know, what would I want somebody to do for them? And I think I, I managed to kind of dig deep and, uh, and, and make that happen. Um, other responsibilities at that time were also to assist in the sale of equipment and decommissioning of the site, amongst other things, um, and we completed all of that on time and, and successfully too. But again, it was a tremendous, uh, stressful situation, but also just an incredible learning experience. And having that happen so early in my career, I think really, you know, gave me a foundation of, you know, learning about what worked and what didn't. But more importantly, um, I believe what guided me then was my genuine respect for the people and the relationships. Um, and again, reaching into that value system instilled, you know, in me by my parents and focus on treating others as I would like to have be treated myself. There was no rule book back then and no mentors at that time. And I think what I learned became the foundation for understanding the importance of people and relationships in every aspect of life. Um, I've said to you many times, uh, I, you know, and, and everybody that knows me will hear it more than once. I do believe life is all about people. And living by that belief has, has certainly contributed to, to many of my successes personally um, and in my, my uh, business career to date. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, I know. I heard this story before. I heard it when we first met, uh, sitting around that big boardroom, uh, you were telling <laughs> me. Uh, I, I'm, still, I'm still gobsmacked today listening to it. You're 22 years old, Barb. Oh, my God. And you know what you say? It's all about people. I come across writings and conferences and peers and clients and who say it's all about people. I will not say that I do not believe it, but I have never come closer to a person who believes that that is true than, than knowing you. So, um, wow, you're just impressive. So how did you end up in manufacturing? Uh, I know that you had uh, roles of responsibility. You're a young girl leading a bunch of men. How did that happen? <laughs> 
Well, that's an interesting story, actually. Um, after several years in finance, it became apparent that in order for me to climb the corporate ladder, uh, I needed to have the appropriate credentials. So I, I think I mentioned at the, at the beginning of our, our uh, chat today, I actually did not um, attend college or university, so I really don't have any post-secondary education. Uh, I left school at 15 years old in Scotland, which was incidentally the norm for women back then. So it was actually an exception for people to go to college or university. Uh, the majority of women left school, got married, and had kids. Uh, the reason I wanted to leave school, I actually wanted to go to college, but my uh, family was moving to another part of Scotland, and believe it or not, now that you know me, um, there was a huge part of me that's, that's still very introverted, and uh, I just couldn't face at 15 years old the thought of going to a new high school and being the new kid on the block. And so I literally pleaded with my parents to let me leave school. And uh, my mother, who was definitely the, the one who ran the family, said, you have two weeks to find a job and you have to register for night school, um, you know, to graduate and whatever. Uh, and at that time, I mean, I would have, I have my sort of grade 13 equivalent. Because in Britain, you start school at four years old, and that is not junior kindergarten, that's grade one. So by the time you're 15, you know, you, you, the education system's different and a little more advanced. So um, I, I did manage to find a job in a week, actually, which shocked my parents. Um, and I did register for night school, but I will confess now that halfway through, I just said, I don't want to do this. Uh, because I was already working full time and figured, you know, that it was, I was learning much more valuable skills, many more valuable skills in the workforce than I was going to night school and looking at books, to be brutally honest. So I'd been out of school for about eight years at that time. And, um, you know, I, I, I enjoyed working, so I just I didn't want to go back. Um, and I decided at that point I would switch careers. So uh, I accepted a job as a data entry supervisor. Um, for a printing and manufacturing company, and I was responsible for providing the printing plates for the plant. So, in other words, you know, we would put in all of the data, we would proofread the data, and we would prepare the, the, the printing plates and actually take them down for them to run on the printing presses, basically. So, I, I realized pretty quickly that uh, it was really important to keep equipment running and <laughs> producing high-quality products, <laughs> because if the plates that I provided were no good... Um, we had a problem. So after less than a year in that role, uh, I was actually approached by the president and plant manager at that time and offered a role as assistant plant manager. Um, I was initially shocked <laughs> at the thought of, of being responsible for equipment of any type. I'm not exactly a mechanical or techie kind of gal, you know, but uh, I took the weekend to think about it and I thought, well, what's the worst thing that could happen? I'm either going to hate it and I'll change careers again, um, or it would work out, and I'll see where it goes. So I took a deep breath, and I jumped in and decided to give it a try. And by far the best mistake, best, mistake, best uh, decision I ever made in my life, to be honest. So the early days were definitely challenging. Um, uh, going back, you know, 30 years, uh, printing uh, and the manufacturing process were, were clearly a male-dominated industry, uh, and here I was, a young female wearing suits and stilettos, under 30 years old, running the show. Um, I, I will confess to having asked at least a couple of uh, of men to 
to leave my facility for being somewhat <laughs> chauvinistic and using inappropriate behavior and language to, to some of our female staff, uh, including myself. Um, I recall one incident when a service person was working in the plant and uh, they'd been there for a couple of days setting up the machine. It was a brand new process and new equipment for us. I wandered over after a couple of days to ask how the installation was going, and this uh, fellow proceeded to, to look me up and down and then suggested that perhaps I go back to my office job and leave the men to get the job done. So um, the, the press operator that was, uh, that was working with him you know, has had this look of horror on his face because I, I think he was afraid of what was going to come next. Uh, he knew who I was, but clearly this service person didn't. So I suggested to the service guy that I had a better idea and that perhaps he should just pack up his tools and leave my plant. Um, you know, he sort of looked at the operator who quickly advised him that I was the plant manager, um, but the apologies were just too late. So uh, off he went and, um, you know, never came back. So, I, you know, I think what's important, I, it turns out that I have a passion for people and getting things done through people. Uh, and everything about manufacturing for me provides a wealth of challenges in so many areas every day. Um, no day is ever the same in in, uh, in my environment. So um, yeah, it's it, it it's just been a, a great opportunity, and uh, I've learned so much in in this process and been able to share that with other people too. You know, Barb, it's getting um, uh, a habit for me here, or or it, it's a behavior I'm falling into. I'm forgetting I'm hosting this show. I'm so I'm so into listening to you uh, <laughs> that I I'm forgetting I'm actually hosting, not listening well, to the show. Hopefully, I'm not talking too much, Laura. <laughs> absolutely not. I absolutely love it, and and I know that uh, our listeners will will love it too because there's so much there's so much substance in in what you're saying. Um, we have about three minutes to the break, but at a kind of a high level and we'll go back to it in more detail after the break what were your best early lessons i think one of the best early lessons was to get right into the trench um you know when you go into a new position uh, i've always found that having the employees teach me the business not the supervisors or managers has really been the, the best way for me to learn um, I believe sitting down with the folks that touch the products every day is where we learn what works and what does not. They know more about our business than, than anything else. Um, uh, doing that also sends a message to everyone that you care and you want to understand their points of pain. It also helps to foster employee engagement, and, and it teaches the supervisors and managers that um, there, there was a wealth of knowledge there that they, they have access to every day within their employee base and uh, and I find that it helps employees feel empowered also. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also the, the foundation for opening those bank accounts of trust that I always talk about with, you know, with people and assuring them that by depositing as often as we can, um, you know, we, we're keeping that balance up. Um, we, we will at some point have to make a withdrawal, whether it's you can't have the vacation you wanted or we have to close a department or we have to bring in new technology. Um, you know, when you make those withdrawals, the, the goal is really to always make sure there's enough in the account to keep it open and continue to deposit into that account going forward. And when you do that, very often the employees begin to deposit into that account as well. Yeah. That's amazing. I know you've told me about the bank account of trust uh, in our early days, and I've loved the concept 
uh, ever since. So um, you would be the absolute uh, ultimate person to talk to uh, to people. Maybe I'll bring you back for another show because uh, I'm enjoying it, Barb. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 w- I would like you to perhaps come back and talk more about employee engagement. There's so much said about it. And, and sometimes I feel that we got, we're getting caught in the word, but not what it actually means and how it looks and what, how it happens. Uh, but we're going to go now into uh, another commercial break for, uh, for a couple of minutes. And we'll come back and talk more about how uh, building those bank accounts of trust with people have allowed you to, uh, to be so effective effective in leading change uh, management in uh, in your organization so don't go away and we'll be back with barb soon from the boardroom to you voice america business network do you believe in the value you bring to an organization have you been overlooked for a promotion because you think differently than your peers Do you know that you can and will make a difference to the business? Let Tab Advanced be your personal advisory board and help you make different, better decisions about your career. Our team is customized to your successful advancement and hones in on when, why, and how you make those decisions. Build a more fulfilling career. Contact us today at advance at trustedadvisoryboard.com. Are you a CEO, a board director, or an entrepreneur looking to have more control over the future of your organization? If the answer is yes, you need Tab Ignite. Our approach is unique, intelligent, and it works. Our solution is exclusively positioned to guarantee the results you seek for your business because we make it simple for you to tap our advisor's expertise and experience and make accurate business decisions. Ask Tab Ignite to work for you at tabignite at trustedadvisoryboard.com and make your next decision the first of many best decisions for your company. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned into Because There's More with host Laura Ellis. To connect with our program today, please send Laura an email to lellis at trustedadvisoryboard.com. Now, back to Because There's More. Hi, I'm Laura Ellis, and I'm here with Barak McBurney. And during the break, Barbara and I were talking. In fact, I asked her uh, to consider whether she would come back and talk more about employee engagement. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure nobody would be surprised her uh, words in describing what what she found important in, in driving employee engagement. It's really um, how the leader uh, builds trust and how the leader um, uh, makes decisions that come from the heart and what she means by that. If you as a leader uh, do what you believe to be right, uh, that will ultimately be felt through uh, by others and they will build that trust that uh, allows people to, you know, to be there behind you. So Barb, I'm definitely inviting you for another show. I'm I'm telling you. Oh, goody. (laughs) You've been warned. But for the last segment of our show today, I just want you to talk, um, to share with us more your experience in change management. There's so many books and so many models and so many this and that about change management. And yet, um, 
the experience is is never uh, that easy. And and I want you to share your insights. Your your own organization um, in the last few years has had to rationalize its operations uh, to respond to changing market trends, and it's undergoing an impressive business transformation. So there's so much change. You're playing a critical role in this massive change. Um, what what do you do to make it right, to make it easier, to, to make the change happen? Well, I, I think, you know, when I hear, you know, people don't like change, uh, I, I think to some degree that's true. Uh, however, I firmly believe that how people handle change can absolutely be influenced. Um, I would normally start by asking myself two questions. You know, relative to the employees, you know, what do they know now and what do they need to know? And by asking those questions, I can begin to build the communication plan, which is the first and most critical thing that needs to be done. Um, What you communicate, when you communicate it, and how you communicate the change will go a very long way in how people will actually react to it. Um, You know, most of us have a fear of failure, some higher than others, and a fear of the unknown. And we're no different as leaders. You know, we have fears too. Um, so we need to ensure that even when there's bad news, we focus on, on setting our folks up to understand what it means to them and provide as much information as we can that will be meaningful to them. Um, I think the timing of communication is critical. So communicating as soon as we can is extremely important as it impacts that bank account of trust with our people. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've situations, I, I work very, very hard when you're working on a project and, and multiple um, functional areas across the organization are perhaps involved in it. Um, you know, anyone that knows me knows the first thing I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about is leakage of information <clears throat> inappropriately because I, I refuse to impact the bank account of trust that we worked so hard to build over the years um, it can literally be deflated, you know, in, in one day uh, with one statement or one rumor. So I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really almost anal um, about making sure that as soon as we can communicate something to our people, we do and try to be as transparent as possible at all times. And that's really because that's what I would expect. I would hope that my leader um, would respect me enough to tell me what's going on, even if it was something that was going to impact me potentially negatively, um, it, it allows me time to do something with that information. And I think we miss the boat on that. Sometimes organizations worry too much about the confrontation and the flight risk. Uh, and we certainly have to do that too. But I, I, I think that we miss, as leaders, sometimes the value in you know, trying to be as uh, transparent as we possibly can with people. You know, keeping it simple, uh, think about how we feel when we hear about change coming and we don't have all the information or answers. Um, Our people experience exactly the same feelings to different degrees. So what can we do to make it easier? So, you know, an example of that may be, um, you know, I've had to consolidate sites over the years, and that's never easy for anyone. But using the methods that I explained previously and delivering the message myself and in person uh, has definitely gone a long way in, in, you know, having a consistent approach to managing change in the environment. Um, I think as well, uh, really sincerely trying to do all you can for employees that are impacted by change, uh, whether it's retraining, redeployment, uh, Service Canada, uh, 
resume writing, I mean, anything at all assures them that you're there with them every step of the way right up, you know, to the exit door, if that is the, the end result for some people. And I think, you know, just being, behaving like that definitely uh, still is a, an opportunity to retain employee engagement. Yeah. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and you know, my own thoughts in that. And, and, uh, I, I, um, I think I came across, uh, before I even was engaged in, in assessment. Um, it's a, it's a quote from a German philosopher saying something to the extent that the thing that we've trying to avoid we are actually creating uh, so it's very interesting uh, what you mentioned that um, organizations are concerned about uh, people flight risk uh, and therefore withhold information and that withholding of information uh, it's actually what's causing people to uh, to leave uh, a lot of the time because they don't trust that they will know enough in time to make the best decisions for them themselves. You know that I come at things from a different angle most of the time and not because I want to be different, but I see the world in different colors. So when people say um, uh, people don't like change, I actually disagree or couldn't disagree more strongly. Only if you look at how much money is being spent by uh, billions of dollars worldwide uh, on uh, clothing, cosmetics, uh, uh, you know, surgery, losing weight. Those are things that change our appearance. So that's the, the first thing that you are showing that you're actually doing change. I could get more scientific about it, but I would say that people don't dislike change. What people hate um, are is the lack of control. So uh, uh, absolutely, innovator or, or non-innovator, we do want to have some sense of control uh, in our life about uh, our own destiny, even though the reality is we never do uh, have much. But it's the lack of control that people hate during change. And that can be made a lot easier through things that uh, you, you just said. Um, you, you alluded earlier of some of the things where organizations might fall short. And, and you know, what are other uh, mistakes that you think uh, are typical uh, that take place during large change efforts? Um, I think sometimes we forget about the fact that we're impacting real people's lives. And that, with some effort, we could potentially make it a little easier for most folks, um, despite delivering the message of, of change. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you know, one mistake is is worrying about flight risk. Um, and so we wait till the last minute, and then it's a shock to everyone. You spend more effort and time doing damage control and calming everyone down who's not impacted by the change. Uh, and that's just a waste of time and energy and, and unnecessary confusion for people. Um, you know, managing flight risk can be done by, you know, different ways, retention bonuses, things like that. Um, <coughs> excuse me. So we shouldn't be, you know, so afraid of that. I think as well we need to remember that as leaders, our personal reputation is at stake um, and that of the organization. You know, people always remember how they're treated, and they're more than willing to tell their next employer or anyone who will listen if the experience was poor or bad. On the upside, they also tell those same people if the experience was sad but good. So, you know, the question really is a leader or organization, which story do you want to be a character in? 
Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, that, so, that's you know, absolutely that's really true. what it boils down to, you know? Um, do you have, I, I'm sure that in spite of the, um, I can talk Barb, you can have some water. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that um, in spite of, uh, uh, you know, staying true to those principles, things don't always go as planned, right? So can you share examples when such a, uh, such a situation took place and what did you do to overcome it? Um. You know, this this uh, this may not be what you're looking for, but I can't really think of a specific example um, when something didn't really go as planned. Um, and maybe that means after 30 years, you know, we've got the secret sauce. I'm not sure, but uh, but I know when when pieces of of a change plan do go off the rails, whether it's a small issue or a large issue, I think the the best thing to do is face it head on. And if that means that. You have to eat some humble pie or even choke on the humble pie. I think what matters is fast recovery and transparency at all times. Um, you know, as, as a leader, um, you know, people often don't expect you to say, I'm sorry or I'm wrong or I made a mistake. And, and my experience has found that, you know, when that happens, and it has, um, to stand up there and say, you know, I, I gave you the wrong information or whatever, um, actually... Also, you know, has, has always for me had an interesting response, and it's usually one of shock because people don't expect you to do that. Um, so again, that transparency, I think, get more you know people's attention a little more when uh, you, you know you're consistently being upfront and honest, even when you're part of the problem. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I think I'm going to ask Voice America to cancel the next show so you and I can continue talking because there's so much, uh, uh, there's so much information in, in those few words that you said that we can uh, talk more um, for hours. And it's not about talking. As Tab is not about talking. It's just about uh, equipping people with different uh, set of skills and, and tools to actually um experience their professional lives better you know i didn't influence your answers but i could have asked for a better answer because um it's exactly that we don't uh, planning and things that we hear like oh we make our success makes us uh, uh take uh, very little into consideration that there's a big element of unknown of everything we're doing what is important is how we deal with it so um uh, It is unfortunate, Barb, but we only have four minutes to the close, believe it or not. So I want <laughs> you to leave us with, with some of the, um, the, our listeners to some key takeaways that you would like to share uh, to help people make better choices around their change initiatives. What would those be? Um, well, I think the, the, the first one is, is really, I believe that effective change management begins with trust. Trust in the organization, trust in the leader, trust in the messaging uh, and the approach. Um, uh, also, you can never communicate too much. Um, the more information you give people, the more you openly discuss the situation. I think it helps people to cope with it. I think you need to be as transparent as you possibly can be. It really, really matters um, how you communicate and handle change in your business actually will have a huge impact on your bottom line, your reputation as an employer, and your credibility as a leader. So I, I think that, uh, you know, don't underestimate 
um, you know, how we handle change. It, it can actually be, be very beneficial to the organization. And I'd say, you know, when you don't know what to do or where to go and you need some experience or advice, call TAB. We're here for you. <laughs> Absolutely. Good one, Barb. I, I couldn't agree more. So um, as I said, it is unfortunate that we are at the end of the show. We only have two minutes. So I want to thank you. You've been an amazing guest. Uh, I couldn't be prouder of you and every single advisor uh, who's backing TAB uh, and believes in this new and unique model. We are making changes uh, already, um, and that will be another show to, to tell all that. But thank you, Barbara, and I hope you, you enjoy uh, yourself. I absolutely love listening to you, as always. <laughs> always a pleasure, Laura. And mine 10 times more. Um, so we'll be back next week. Um, our advisors are, uh, are real working people. So once again, I don't know whom exactly I'm going to be able to uh, bring into the show next week. Uh, but until then, um, have, a, have a great week. Uh, listen to our shows. I'm sure that if you have a pen and paper, as you go through each one of our shows, you'll be able to pick up very practical advice uh, on how to uh, make better decisions in, in your business. Uh, you can find us on www.trustyadvisoryboard.com. And if you have any questions or, or you want us to discuss certain topics, uh, please email me. You can email me at lellis, E-L-L-I-S, at trustyadvisoryboard.com. Have a wonderful week and I'll meet you on the radio next Monday. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of Because There's More. Join Laura Ellis again next Monday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time, and 2 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to tune in, because there's more. Oh, 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 o